Welcome to The Journey, a podcast series by Christ Life Ministries, focused on renewing, restoring, and equipping leaders. Okay, hey, welcome to The Journey podcast series, and this is Greg. I'm the director of Christ Life, and we've got a guest in the studio today. His name is Brian Bloom, and he's the senior leader, the, the teaching pastor, the the visionary director of Frontline Church here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's great having you here, bro. Yeah, it's good to be here, man. So, hey, we're, as you know, we're in episode 10 of The Journey. And we're just leaving the segment where we're talking about the nature of chaos and how to come out of chaos in a real way into the presence of the true Jesus. And I had to call Brian because Brian has got this story where, like most of us, there was chaos, especially as he was in his early years in ministry, figuring out what leading a large church looked like. <laughs> and then and then there was a day, many days actually, where God stepped in in the way that only God can step in and began to unharness or uh, unchain your heart from the chaos And he began to move you into the presence of the true Jesus. Could you just, I know we're just starting this thing, but could you begin with telling a little bit about how God did that in you? Yeah, well, the the journey for me really began with a a couple of the worst years of ministry and worst years of my life. Um, At the time, I was like, man, what are you doing to me, God? Why are you allowing this to happen? And uh, I look back on it now, and I have a, a picture of, you know, that was God's grace. It was Him uh, bringing me to a point uh, where true, you know, transformation could happen in my life. But uh, 2015 and 2016 were horrible years at the church uh, that I pastor. I'd been the lead pastor for about a almost a decade at that point, and um, we'd had a, you know seasons of growth and things going really well. And then in 2015, it's like everything just—it's like the wheels just oh, fell off, man. I I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, you just kind of take the gambit of everything across the, you know, the spectrum of um, staff, <clears throat> staff problems that can happen. We experienced it at all. I mean, just everything from uh, moral failures to um, just painful exits, people stepping out for a better offer, uh, having to dismiss people for competency issues. It was just terrible. And then um, in 2015, I was diagnosed with cancer, with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and so I found myself, you know, having to step back and, you know, I kind of came from the school of, of leadership that was, you, you know, it's, uh, you know, all those leadership axioms, everything rises and falls on the leader, um, you know, speed of the leader, speed of the team. Uh, you know what I mean? You're only as good as your, as your last sermon that you preach. You're only as good as the last decision you made, you know, uh, the leaders take charge, all, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I, I had kind of spent myself trying to fix it all because that's what you do. That's where I um, felt like I had value is, okay, it's it's time for me to step in and fix it. And I couldn't fix it. So yeah, so what ended up happening was I went away on a sabbatical. <laughs> the church very graciously gave me a sabbatical and I was 39 at the time. And I, I felt like uh, the, the whole sabbatical, I was just asking God, what do you want me to do with my 40s? And Because honestly, I wanted to quit. I just wanted to be done because I couldn't produce you know, the results I wanted to produce. And I kind of thought, well, maybe I've just sort of, I'm done. Like maybe I'm just supposed to go do something else, you know, that sort of thing. 
And um, what God, I really felt even just journaling and talking to others and, and praying and reading scripture, I felt like what God kept saying to me over and over again was, uh, Brian, in your 40s, I want you to be more of a king maker than a king. Mm. And I didn't even really know what that meant. But I started, I came back to the church and I just started saying it, you know, out loud. I just, I, I feel like God's calling me to be a kingmaker in my 40s, I, you know, whatever that means. And that's where you and I, um, you know, intersected paths because you were uh, kind of coming in and in the aftermath of some just really destructive staff stuff. And, uh, you know, and I remember those moments. I mean, we would get together, Brian and his team, team members that are involved that, that, that want to be there will show up on Saturday night and they just pray walk the auditorium and pour their hearts out to God. Yeah. So I just jumped in to that. And I remember one night as we were praying, Brian just passionately said, God, it was you uh, who has called me really off the throne. You've not called me to be a king, but you've called me to be a king maker where I could come and and support, strengthen, raise up these other leaders and help them become all that God had designed them to be. And I thought in that moment, my gosh, man, this guy, God is doing a really beautiful thing in you. Yeah. Yeah. And um, man, you were a key part of that in, in what God wanted to bring. So, um, you know, what happened was, was I went through my own spiritual uh, journey of transformation before God could really bring that to pass. Um, you know, so, I mean, I'll fast forward really quick and then just kind of backtrack to how it happened. But today... Um, I'm uh, we, we're a network um, with uh, looks like we're going to have four churches here in the very near future um, that are a part of us. Uh, and God's just surrounded me with this staff of young people. And I'm just every day like what I'm doing is I'm pouring into these young people mm. and uh, the Christ life journey that we've kind of been working through and that uh, has become kind of a standard for all of us uh, so throughout great. the network. That's so great. You know, uh, we were talking earlier, and I thought in the middle of the conversation, what the heck are we doing? We should have this recorded. Yeah. Because yeah. Brian began to share about this network, which I think is just tip of the spear regarding what God's doing uh, at in the nation, that, that instead of us being siloed off and really investing everything we have, all our church's resources, all the giving opportunities into building this big thing that's for many senior pastors, an expression of me, the ideal me, and a sign to the world that we've succeeded. But instead, they've formed a network of churches that serve each other and share resources. Yeah. Tell us a little about that. Yeah, it's really exciting. It's called the Zero Collective, and um, it's it's formed around just this vision of taking the gospel uh, across our city and across uh, West Michigan. The idea is that we're not done until zero people remain unchanged by Jesus. And um, what we're what we're, what I'm really discovering is uh, to have more of a collaborative approach to ministry, where you really come together and you really are there for the kingdom and support each other. You, until you've gone some kind of, through some kind of uh, transformation yourself, you can't truly be collaborative. You'll still be stuck in competition. Mm. Uh, you'll still be stuck in this kind of competitive mindset. You can't truly root for your brother. You can't truly come alongside and make sacrifices uh, and see a win that's bigger than you for the one church because you're you're still harvesting value from your own uh, individual ministry success. And that, that was my story. Okay, so let's camp out there for a second. So so if I'm hearing you correctly, push back on me or kick me to the curb if I'm, I'm not getting it right. What I'm hearing you say is that our desire 
to be humble, to humbly serve other leaders, mm -hmm. to network them uh, with them and help them succeed really will never come into fruition unless God's done a, a radical life-changing work in our hearts, freeing us from the need to harvest value from our performance and, and convincing us that our value is stabilized. It's all from him. It's as finished as the finished work of the cross. That's absolutely right. And it, it's, it's one of those things where you may want to, like you're, you're you may in, in your heart, like want to, to be able to root for someone else and really collaborate, but it won't, you know, your own inner life won't allow you to until you've gone through some kind of uh, journey to surrender that, to come out of chaos and to, and to develop the abiding life. Because the independent life is all about, I'm, I've learned, it's all about harvesting value from your performance, so true. from your the results you get at church, from uh, if you're a church leader, and from the results you get um, on your own power and your own strength. And so that's really what God began to just impart to me, you know, when you and I first came together that has become kind of the foundation or the starting point for the Zero Collective and for this network that's Dude, come from there. That is unbelievable. So so here's the question. What did chaos look like for you yeah. three, four, five, six years ago? I mean, just describe what chaos was in your life. Oh, man. Anytime there would be any kind of bad news, any kind of situation that arose uh, in the church, it would you know, some of this comes from my wounds. You know, we've, mm. we've talked about wound work. Um, I would go into this mode in my head where it's like the messaging would be like, it's all on you. Wow. You know, everything rises and falls on the leader. You've, you've got to go take the burden of this. You've got to take it and shoulder yourself. And then what I would do is I would try to, you know, the, the man with the plan is the one with the power, that kind of thing. <laughs> I, I would try to come up with the plan. I would try to go into the room with our, with our leadership team, with our key staff, and I would, I would pass all that pressure I was feeling mm. to them. And it mm. was like, you guys had better perform. You guys had better get on this because at the, I wasn't saying this, but like, you know, at, at the end of the day, my own sense of worth, my own sense of value and identity was connected to how well we all did. And so you can't truly love another person and really root for them. All you can do is pass that pressure to them when that's all you're experiencing personally. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, um, what I felt like was that's what Jesus was putting on me. I felt like that pressure was part of my performance to God or what he would want from me. So when, when bad things would happen, there would be sort of this, this sense of God, why are you allowing this to happen? And then also this, like I would blame him and be angry, but then also I got to rise up and I got to fix it. And if anyone, if I felt like anybody was like blaming me or somehow I, I couldn't be like a non-defensive I couldn't like create in myself a non-defensive reaction to that. <laughs> I would I would just you know defend anything that kind of threatened, um, you know my place, my role. Mm. Uh, you know I would try to separate myself from any sort of thing that would go bad, so that I didn't have to take any sort of responsibility. It was crazy. Like some of the you know it's it's sad to me when I think about some of the relational carnage that I've left in my wake. Uh, you know with people years ago. That now, like my perspective on it now is like, oh my gosh, my own inner junk, you know, <laughs> my unprocessed wounds, my uh, chaos that I was living in day to day would not allow me to see what I needed to see and to react and respond in a way that, that I know Christ would want me to. Brian, that's beautiful. Uh, so talking about disruptive emotion, just yeah. kind of uh, name off 
some of the disruptive emotion that would have been on board in your life, like right at the surface during that season? Oh man. Uh, I mean, anger, just anger would have been there on it. Like my, uh, you know, my fuse was very short. Uh-huh. Uh, also, just a sense of, um, I, I mean, I, I remember doing stuff like meetings. I, I would just go in and I would want to talk over people. <laughs> I, I would want to like uh, put people in their place. You know what I mean? If they if they question or didn't go the direction I wanted. And and again, think it's so funny because like you look at the character of Christ, none of this lines up, right? Yeah. But in your mind, you're thinking this is what a leader does. This is what you know. This is what we're going to drive the ball into the end zone. Exactly. Yeah, all that, all that stuff, and then even um, you take spiritual, you know, the spiritual life, and you you say, well, even we're going to pray. I remember one night praying with you, and I, I remember we were walking the the sanctuary, you know, on a Saturday night, and I'm, it's almost like uh, you're praying like God and give us this and give us that, and it, it was like all this effort. I felt like even prayer was effort and work, uh-huh. and I'm I'm putting in all this effort so that God will answer these prayers and bless. I remember you just put your hand on my shoulder and saying can I pray for you, Brian, for a minute? I was like, okay, yeah, sure. And you prayed this whole thing about, uh, it's a light yoke. I just, I remember your words being, we come to you, uh, right now, Jesus, and we rest in you. We recognize, uh, it's a light yoke, not a heavy yoke. And just those words, um, in that prayer, in that moment, (laughs) just shifted something in me because Mm. it was like, yeah, what am I doing here? Like, what, what do I think? The, The louder I am and the more intense I get, uh, and the the heart, it's like the hamster in the wheel. Totally. The faster I run, God's going to answer prayers more. Does that sort of unlock something in him? No, like that's not that's not what it is. You know, that's so crazy. It, and what's so funny is that that's the shared common story with all of us, isn't it? Yeah. It's like we we do all we can to keep this calm exterior, kind of like a duck on the surface of the water. Right. Duck looks pretty peaceful. If you had goggles on and you looked under the water man his feet are scurrying like crazy to keep things moving yeah and and really what we're talking about is this manifestation of using jesus as a means to our own end yeah that when we're we're when we're not knowing that there's a whole lot more than what we've experienced in life uh the pattern of this world is in play i'm feeling the pressure to 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 convince everybody that what I am is enough and that mm-hmm. I'm feeling like my value is being determined by what I produce, what I own, and what people say about me. Uh, I'm constantly in this undulation of working harder, putting on a better mask, using yeah. people as a means to my own end, using Jesus as a means to my own end, and then medicating. We, When we're stuck in that, and that's where a lot of leaders, if you're a leader, that might describe where you are today. I just want to tell you the reason why Brian is on this podcast is because his story can be your story, that you can move from chaos into the presence of the true Jesus and begin to experience life like like God's designed life to be lived. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have a, a story of how that actually began to live out as my leadership began to change. I don't know if you remember this. You were still with us when this happened. Um but uh, so in the midst of this whole like disaster, you know, uh, disastrous couple of years, I'd come back from the sabbatical. We found out that the church was not doing well financially, just, you know, as what happens a lot of times when, when the church goes through several staff transitions. Mm-hmm. Um, but right in the midst of this difficult time, I remember 
we found out our roof, we have a, 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 an enormous building at Frontline. It's a 100,000 square foot building. Wow. And this huge roof, uh, we thought we had more time with, and we started experiencing some leaks. So we brought in um, a couple different companies to look at our, our roof, and they said, yeah, you need a new roof. And it's a half a million dollars, and you need it now. And wow. just to be clear, we did not have a half a million dollars <laughs> just sitting does? around. Who does have a half a million sitting <laughs> right. in the bank? As a church. And so the old, you know, the old chaos, I remember kicking in. I was right in the midst of the journey, um, and you and I were meeting and talking. And so all this stuff came in. I remember I had, like, my plan. I'd gone into that place mm-hmm. of chaos where it's all on me, all that messaging. Mm-hmm. It, you know, the, I got the, the leader, the speed of the leader, speed of the team. I've got to come up. So I had a whole plan laid out of a capital campaign and how we were going to raise this money and how we were going to go to other people in the community because we have a ministry that, that serves a couple different other entities in the community. And so I, I remember there was a leadership team meeting, and I was going to – my plan was to go in, be the man with the plan, and just – talk everybody, you know, talk over everybody, talk everybody into my plan. It was, it was up to me to fix it. And um, there, it, it was kind of the moment for me. I, it was almost like that event created the situation for me where I, it was like a separation. What was happening inside of me kind of met my typical response. And, and it was the first time I remember really feeling like, wait a minute, this is not what God wants me to do. Wow. Uh, this is not the right reaction. And, uh, like, it's not all on me. It's not just up to me to fix this. That's not why this is happening. In fact, what if this is the way God wants to meet us? What if this is the very event that he wants to establish dependence on him? And so I remember like we, I remember talking with you and praying with you. What I ended up doing was going into the media and saying, so our leadership team is gathered around, imagine this conference table, and just saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> but I, and I remember saying what I think we're supposed to do is seek the Lord together. Mm. And one of the guys on our, uh, you know, because we were talking about what do we say to the congregation, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And um, I remember the, uh, one of the guys on our, our leadership team saying, have, what if we called the congregation to just pray and fast wow. together? Like do like a 40 days of prayer and fasting over this issue. Don't, don't give any answers. Just saying, Hey, we just feel like we're called to just seek the Lord together. And I remember just thinking, that's it. That's right. That's what we're supposed to do. And I would have never suggested that, but just being in the place to just come and just humbly say, you know what, I don't have the answer, but I, I, I trust that Jesus does. I mean, wonder what he wants to do with this. And so what ended up happening is we, we brought it before the congregation. We said we have a half a million dollar need that we weren't prepared for, and maybe we should have been as leaders, whatever. But, uh, you know, let's seek the Lord together. We need you to be in on this with us. And God did some um, unbelievable things in people's lives over that 40 days of prayer and fasting. The stories that came in as people prayed and fasted, they had nothing to do with the roof. (laughs) Just the way that God wanted to meet his people through that. And and if I had just had, like, my capital campaign plan, it never would have happened. I would have just been trying to raise funds. You might not have ever heard this guy's suggestion. Exactly. You no. would have been like, hey, no, I had my own plan. Solution. Right. Exactly. And, and I would have been, you know, congratulating myself, patting myself on the back for the great job I did for Jesus. And even more terrifying is if the church actually anteed up and gave you the half a million dollars right. and it would have put into stone 
this yep. principle that we've got to we've got to just grip it and do it and pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and make it happen. Oh yeah, I mean, what's that um, verse in Proverbs that talks about uh, the furnace for silver and the crucible for gold, but man is tested by the praise he receives. Mm. I mean, that is that wow. is it. It's like if I could win that, if I could get that, then I harvest my own identity, my own sense of worth and value by the praise I would receive from doing that. And within the denomination, oh, too. Oh, for sure. I mean, that in the denominations that we work in, depending on what type of denomination you might be in or if you're a senior leader serving in, some denominations are tight. They meet together all the time. They celebrate victories together. And, and we... Brian just happens to be in a denomination that's super healthy and together in the Midwest, and certainly that would have been praised. Oh yeah, big time. That would have uh, that would have absolutely been celebrated. But to, just to put it, to wrap up that story, how it kind of ended, um, what ended up happening at the end of that forty days, we still had no like we didn't raise any money. We didn't ask people to give. Uh, so at the end of that forty days, without asking for it, we had several people in the congregation give a hundred thousand dollars which was like, oh, that's awesome. I mean, $100,000 is great, but I mean, we needed half a million, right? So we needed another 400000 So I was just kind of like, well, that's cool, whatever. And then what happened was out of the prayer and fasting, there was a guy who knew a, another guy in our community, um, just a Christian leader of a very large business that do, did like commercial roofing. And so he came in and said, hey, I, I'm gonna, I'd love to come in and take a look at your roof. He looked at our roof and... Uh, he said, listen, you, you guys do have these seven spots that are just gone. Like your roof is just gone in these seven spots. For $40,000, we'll come in and fix those spots, which is way under what I know he, he uh, should have charged us. And he said, uh, then we'll warranty it for three years. Um, and so that money that God gave, that 100000 we only needed 40000 of it to fix the roof and, and kind of extend that for another three years. And then the craziest part of that is, a couple weeks after that, our entire sound system in our auditorium, we had no idea this was coming. It just like failed. It just like uh, oh, totally no. crapped out. I don't know if you, you know what I mean? Like it just stopped. All these things went wrong with it. And so uh, 60,000, the other $60,000, we put a new sound system in. And so to be able to stand up in front of the church and say, what would have happened if we hadn't prayed and fasted? God not only met the need we had, with whatever he made available, he took care of the need we didn't even know we had. Mm. And, it was, and it wasn't because we had a great plan. In fact, the, the moral of the story is we had no plan. We were not prepared. And I'm not saying God wants to do this in every church. Or this right. is the thing he's, you know, don't take that away from this. Is like, oh man, God will do that in your church if you just do 40 days of prayer and fasting. I mean, that's the... Or the, capital campaign. A capital campaign. bad, you know, only yeah, for... Yeah, right. Don't no take way. that away from this. What, what, I, what I hope anybody who's hearing this story who's a church leader has taken away from this is God has what you need. He has what the church needs. Mm. He has the blueprint for your church, for your life, for your individual ministry. He's not expecting you or me to like come in equipped by our own power. Um, he, he expects us to, to almost model the abiding life. If we're, I, I, what I've discovered is if oh, I don't no. have that abiding relationship with Jesus, I have nothing to give other people. That's the only thing I have to give other people is my experience of Jesus meeting me and my brokenness. That's the only thing I have to share a value with anyone else. And if I can't experience that myself, if that isn't my lived experience, then all I'm doing is, uh, well, apart from me, you can do nothing, right? I'm the vine, you're the branches. <laughs> all, exactly. all I'm offering is 
worthless. It's an empty well. It's that intense labor and total failure. Yes, exactly. That's Jeremiah 2.13. We're going to go there real quick, real soon in the, the Journey podcast series. That's an amazing story. Well, and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it was an amazing story and it was an amazing moment. But again, for me, it became a kind of a, okay, this is the lesson. Don't go back, you know, and it's funny because I, I don't mean to sound like I've arrived because man, uh, it's an everyday experience. I was laughing, uh, even as I was like praying to come here today, uh. this is, I mean, I haven't shared this with you or anything, but like I was in the car coming here and I was praying and I realized it's just, as you just come into the presence of the true Jesus, you just walk out of your chaos. Uh, the first thing I almost always hear when I cut, when I just say, Lord, I'm just, I'm coming to you. I'm going to rest in you. I'm coming out of my chaos. I'm just going to walk in your presence. Almost always the first thing I hear him say in my spirit is just, you're my kid. Wow. And that comes from my wound. It comes wow. from my, my brokenness. Uh, but it's, it's what I need to hear every time. You're my kid. It's like, you don't, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to prove anything. You're my kid. And then what I sense, you know, what I sensed even driving over here was, uh, I wanted to come on your podcast and do a great job for you because I, I love you. I, I, I respect you. And it's like, man, I want to do a really good job. I'm going to come in here and perform and just do it. It's so funny. And it's like, are you kidding me? That was the thoughts I had even driving over here. And I just, I laughed in my car. I was like, man, I just give that over to you right now, Lord. Like, that's not the goal here. Uh, the goal here is not to, to perform in some way that people would, would go, I want what, you know, I want to experience a success like that guy has experienced or look at him, look at what he's done. The, the heart is like, my gosh, if, if I can just ex- take what I've experienced with Jesus and if other people can see a picture of how they can experience that with Jesus too, then I'm doing what God's called me to do. Oh, and that's, 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 and it's not like, it's like, I get to do that. That's what I feel like with these guys that God's surrounded me with at this network. I get to pour into their lives. I get to help them see that and experience that in their own lives. That's so good. You know, it's, similar to what we were talking about last week the 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 practice of lifting up that that as we're going about our daily the tasks the things that god's given us responsible responsibility to do when we become aware of areas of waywardness in our own heart Mm -hmm. and we all got them right we all nobody ever arrives in fact I, i heard it said that that the, the most healthy people long-term aren't the people that say, hey, I got the other leg over the side of the fence. You know, I made it. I got it figured out. I, I'm healed now. It's the people that just say, I'm okay in my own skin being yes. in process and needy and, yes. and dependent on God. That, that my expectations are that he'll never leave me in this place that's, that's missing need. That I'll, I'll need him at every, at every juncture. Yeah. every step of the way. And so with lifting up, it's the practice of being aware of areas of our lives that are askew, that are off track. And because of the relationship with Jesus, we're able to say, well, I see this correctly now. It's not something like in the way of me performing well or seeing Jesus. It's actually something that God wants to work on with me. Right. And I can say to him real simply, do you see that, Lord? Mm-hmm. There it is again. It's 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 pride or self sufficiency or performance, uh, the need for approval in my own life. Do you see that? I'll never be different unless you change me. I can't change myself. Right. So I surrender that to you. Yeah. And and there's a peace that comes along with interacting with God that way. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, my 
I've learned like my natural drift is toward the independent life. That's like the natural default. Mm-hmm. And I keep thinking, um, and maybe it'll happen for me someday. I don't know uh, where my natural default will just change to where I just sort of naturally default to, toward the, you know, the abiding life. I, I haven't experienced that yet. <laughs> so um, more what it's been is like every time I just come uh, into, into the presence of Jesus, it's like I just become aware of how I'm, I don't even notice it. Like I don't even re- recognize it, but it's, it's so much the default programming um, that I that I just kind of go straight toward the de- independent life. Well, when you think about it, the iceberg metaphor, we have all these pressures, don't we? We've got the pressure of our roles. We have underneath the surface, we have the pressure of our wounds and our distortions and disruptive emotion and, and the dysfunctional lifestyle choices, the mistakes that we've made. We have all at the baseline, the bottom, the pressure of the pattern of this world yeah. uh, to keep up, to measure up, to be good enough. That's right. And then we have all of the pressure of the kingdom of darkness. I mean, whether regardless of the denomination you're in, if you're studying the scripture, you can't deny the fact that we have someone opposing and right. and uh, warring against uh, God's will being manifested on the earth. So there's all this, this pressure... And all God wants us to do is to not power up so that we can be strong enough to carry it. Right. He wants us to bow down, admit that we're unable, right. and like Jesus modeled for us in his life and ministry, entrust it all to the Father. Yeah. And and it's even a step further than that. It's, it's, that's the best thing you could do. That's the so all, When you do that, it, you know, it feels like weakness. It feels like... Uh, I don't mean to like slam on all the, you know, kind of the leadership uh, axioms or whatever of the last 20 years. Cause you know, there, it's like, you know how like the greatest lies are like a little bit true. You know Come what I mean? Like, I feel like that's a lot of the leadership stuff. It's, you can't just, when a roof is about to cave in, you can't just do nothing. Right. I mean, you, you have, as a leader, you're in a role and all that kind of stuff. There is truth to it, but we think the best thing we could have to offer would be some sort of like power up, rise to the moment out of our own strength. And really the best thing we could possibly offer is not the way the world works, is this kind of stark, um, I think people are hungry and we don't even realize it. Mm. We're hungry, and you know, just as people for God to move and work in mm. our lives and to see God at work and to see him healing and to see him moving. And when we step out in faith to see him meeting us in that place. Like, like we're hungry for that. Why do we not think people are hungry for that? Mm. That's the best thing we could offer is just that opportunity to do that. That's so good. So, so as we're thinking about chaos, we've talked about what chaos, what that experience was with you. We've also talked in week two about how to leave chaos, that leaving chaos means that First of all, we come to him. Instead of coming to another meeting, we come to him. Number two, we admit that we're weary and we're worn out, we're heavy laden by our own attempts to do life independently, to live actually the the unaided life. And, And again, letting us all off the hook, many of us just default to that. We just don't know that there's any other way to go about doing life. And and so Number three is that we then must 
admit our inability to change anything on our own. And then number four, understand that coming out of chaos means that we're coming into John 15 abiding relationship with Jesus. Now, the beautiful thing, one of the things that I want to get to, because there's just so much, so many places that we could go that would be amazing on this, on this podcast because of what God's doing in you. One thing I want to get at, though, is what we talked about earlier, and that is this, this notion that you can't really give away what you don't have on the inside of you. And then number two, your dreams for this network, that this network would embody a couple things that, that, that would cause cohesion, but also bring about dynamic influence and change in, among the communities, that the churches that these leaders are serving. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, what I've kind of come to realize, even as I've kind of, you know, as a pastor and, and this network has gotten started and everything, is that, uh, you know, the best thing we have to offer is an abiding relationship with Jesus ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that that is, you know, the, the what happens when we go through awareness work and then wound work mm-hmm. is God is get, able to get to those places and um, we're able to experience healing. We're able to kind of lift those things before him. And then when we are in our place of chaos, it's kind of like you recognize, oh, that's I'm going back to that default programming. That's good. And uh, you begin to live out of a different way. And so as we've, you know, brought other pastors into this network, as we've experienced things, what I've begun to realize is uh, until they've gone through some experience of that themselves, they mm. almost can't um, do what we're asking them to do with it's kind uh, of going the network. Back, it's kind of going back to where you were before, which was that... There's no way to truly live in humility and right. serve each other yeah. if God hasn't convinced you that your value is stable and you don't have a dog in the hunt. you got nothing to prove, nothing to gain, nothing to lose, that you can give your life away to these people and somehow it's not making a withdrawal from you right. regarding your potential for being great or influential or right. valuable, that God's got all that covered. It's, yeah. it's all done. That's right. I mean, you're going to compete out of your out of that um, deficit in your own soul, mm. out of that deficit of your own identity of, of like you need it too bad. You mm. need it to be about you too much. You need it to go well uh, so that you can harvest your identity from that too mm. much to be able to truly say I can be a part of this and uh, not care what happens to me, but truly you know uh, be able to serve the community, serve others, mm. and so. Um, what we've kind of done is we've, we've said, okay, everybody who's, who would be coming a part of this has to go through some level of this journey transformation. Mm-hmm. And um, what we're seeing is just great results. And, and I'm, I'm realizing that during that season of life where God spoke to me and said, in your 40s, Brian, I want you to be a kingmaker, he was bringing this experience into my own life, not just so I could experience it, which is awesome. Praise God, I've got to experience it, but so that it is the DNA. It is like the yeah. blueprint of what he wants to experience for any leader, I think, mm. in the, the local church today. Mm. And it's the way in which he wants to move in this. I mean, you think about our culture right now. You think about, I, I just think about even this whole coronavirus thing that's happening right now. If this would have happened to me five years ago, it would have devastated me personally. And it would have, I would have led very differently because, you know, all of a sudden the church is shut down. People can't come physically in big crowds, attendance-wise. Mm. People are online, but you can't really tell exactly how many views. All that stuff. <laughs> That's so when true. you're harvesting all your identity from that stuff, and then it's it goes away. Again, like I look at it and I go, wow, God, you're giving us the perfect opportunity right now to recognize where we truly have been harvesting our identity from. And 
I got to tell you, like, I mean, it's been stressful. It's been challenging. I've had decisions to make every single day. Just, I mean, that there's an exhaustion factor with all that, but it hasn't, that stuff hasn't been able to touch, you know, my identity and who I am. That stuff hasn't been able to do that to me. And I know five years ago, that wouldn't have been the case. Mm. It would have uh, leveled me. It would have caused me to go into what we're seeing with a lot of pastors around the nation right now and these major you know, their inner world, uh, you're, you're seeing like people just collapse under the weight of this whole thing. And I, I feel like what we're experiencing right now is actually the very situation we need to develop dependence on God again and for the church to be called back to that abiding relationship in Jesus. That's really good. Yeah. That's really good. So, uh, what I'm hearing you say is that the, that th- the events that we're all experiencing today can either be things that drive us to God. They're, they're things that, that we're able to bring before the Hebrews 4 throne of I will do it for you and lay them down and just admit our inability. Or there are things that we pick up like barnacles on the bottom of the boat mm-hmm. and pretty soon weight, little weight after little weight after little weight becomes a, a death load and we get smashed by it and then we begin to make some really, really bad decisions, whether it be medicating, which is just further undermining our ministries, or whether it means that we just, you know, it's kind of like the same thing as a midlife crisis. We go back and try to power up and do what we did when we're in our 20s, but we're not any longer, and it just doesn't work. It's We try to remake the church and kind of make it this cool, daddy, relevant thing, when in reality, it's just a a guy with a, you know, holes in his jeans and trying to look cool that's 50 instead of 22. <laughs> and everybody can, it's kind of like having something stinky in your garbage can. There's no hiding it. The reality is that, yeah. that we just need to be who we are and we need to allow God to be who he is. And when those two pieces are in place, dynamic things tra- take place. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, when the... When the um... <laughs> It's amazing, man. Like I, it, when the, uh, when March and April, when the shutdown first happened, I started just this rhythm of like in the middle of my day, cause I needed it in the middle of my day. Cause you know, if any pastor out there would <laughs> dude, every day was just this disaster of decisions you have to make. Yes. And what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? And, um, and, uh, I remember I would go on a walk and just, just to do what we're talking about today, just to come out of chaos and come into the presence of the true Jesus. I'd do it in the middle of the day, every day. And on the, near my house, uh, where I go on a walk, I walk like right at the end of my neighborhood. There's a a, a cemetery. There's like a um, yeah, like a, a graveyard. And so I would walk by this graveyard, and every day I would see this graveyard. And I it was like this. It became like this uh, thing every day where I would just say, God, that's what I have to offer right there. Wow. It's just dead flesh. Wow. It's just endless effort and striving. And at the end of the day, it's just gonna be death. It's just going to be dead flesh. I need what you have to give me. Mm. And every day it just became this like confessional moment. I'd walk by that graveyard and I'd say, I need, I need you. I just rest in you. I trust in you. I ask you to speak into this, uh, this moment, this life. I, you know, it was almost like the, the, the passage in Ezekiel, you know, the Valley of dry bones were, um, it's like, I just need you to come and put, breathe life and send you it's, and I can't get it anywhere else, but you, wow. I can't get it anywhere else from anywhere else from you. I just, there's no, uh, you know, there's no podcaster or, or 
you know, blog out there or so that true. I can get that from. I have to get it from you. And every day I found like every day I'd, I'd walk past that graveyard and he, and he would meet me. I just, mm-hmm. I, I suddenly they would just be like, Oh, I know what I need to do. And it wasn't, here's my ideas. It was like, I just need to keep turning to Jesus and letting, it's almost like you turn to Jesus and other people watch you turn to Jesus and they figure out, Oh, I should turn to Jesus too. Wow. You know? And I, I feel like that's what our experience has been coming through this. And I can honestly say like, i I, this hasn't devastated my soul. I mean, it's there's lots of challenges, but we're going to be okay, you know? That's so amazing. I'm just thinking about where we started the conversation, where you said in your chaos, you felt like you needed to power up, come up with a plan, yeah. and be the man that drives it across the goal line. Right. To now, you're in the middle of the day humbling yourself before God coming out of your chaos into the presence of the true Jesus and then as you walk past this graveyard you're you're admitting that's all I am mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I, I bring death I bring nothing yeah. I bring uh, zero answers that are eternal that have weight your weight that's attached right. to them and so I just confess that to you and ask for you now mm-hmm. to do whatever it is that you have designed for this day for this week for this season for this church you're going to be the one that needs to do it. That's right. And the best part is he does. Like he, you can trust him in that. You know what I mean? Like he does, he moves in in those moments. Um, I heard, I think it was the last, one of the podcasts you were you were talking about, I was listening to you talk about the guy who said he feels like Jesus is the guy uh, clicking the, yes. the, the, the clock. The you timer, know, The yeah. timer as you run around the track going a little faster this time, a little bit, whatever. Like, that's not who he is. No. That's not who he is at all in those moments. He's like, yes. It's like, I want to draw near. You know, he wants to move into those moments. He wants to meet us in that. He wants his people, you know, their faith to be just buoyed by that experience, too. He wants them to, to get that. Um, that's what he longs for. That's what he longs for, for for his people, for each one of us. And it's like one of those kind of things where, Again, like it blows me away that he wants that with me personally. Whether I do anything else in ministry that's worth talking about ever again mm. or not, it doesn't matter. He wants that with me. Mm. That's an amazing thought to me. We end week two with this Dallas Willard quote. Okay, it's the the this this quote which is just so ingenious where it talks about, it helps us understand the cost of non-discipleship, that, that if I chose to be a Christ, a person that banners underneath the title Christian, and yet I'm living the Christian life independently from God, meaning that I'm just doing more of what I'm doing right now, mm-hmm. that the promise is that path will be more difficult, more arduous than it would be though I, I bow all of my life before Jesus to become a follower of him, that though it takes all of my life, the pathway with Jesus, real discipleship in John 15, abiding relationship, will be the easier route. Yes. And you just described in your own life, Brian, how that's coming to bear, how that's, how that's becoming a reality in you, that you're able to offload and entrust those things. Like Jesus, really, Jesus was the first branch. He he lived branch life with his Father long before he ever exhorted us in John 15 to be branches. Mm-hmm. He modeled it. He's just not the means 
for salvation. He's the model for all New Testament life. And for us to do the same, I mean, you just did what Jesus does. Mm -hmm. You're you're experiencing 1 John 2 uh, life where as you abide in him, you're slowly but surely becoming more and more and more like him. Mm -hmm. You're beginning to walk as Jesus walked. What did Jesus model for us? When he was in difficult circumstances, he would slip away, wouldn't he? Mm Mm-hmm. He would get with his father. Right. He would get what was necessary to be able to navigate mm-hmm. the next season with the God's power, with his message, with with his purpose. And and it just seems, you know, Jean-Pierre de Quassade in Abandonment to Divine Providence says this, that we live under this, this cloud of unknowing, that God in his mercy enables us to live but not quite see the the full extent, the full value, uh, to hear the celebration behind the decisions that we make. We just are slowly but surely being made more and more like Christ. But then he said the day will come when you will be uh, lifted up before the Almighty and the cloud of unknowing will be uh, dissipated and all of heaven will ring with the celebration uh, of the saints which is just so amazing, man. It makes me want to just shout at the top of my lungs. But that's really what I see in your story. There's Mm. just this very simple dependency that's coming online as you've come out of chaos, as you're continuing to come out of chaos into the presence of the true Jesus, and he's meeting you there. Yeah, that's right, man. Yeah, and it's it's like... uh, the easiest journey in ministry I've ever been on. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's, that's the mind blowing part is like, yo, it's not, yeah, it's not effort. It's not uh, hard work. Um, it, it, although it is a consistent rhythm of coming yes. and just continuing to say, Oh man, my default, there it is again. Just kind of like you were saying of, uh, yeah, just the default becomes, you know, to just kind of go back to that independent life. And so just to come before him and just, I, I love the, just the imagery you just used of, a little bit ago of um, it's almost like he's not coming to shame you or it's kind of, you just look at it together. It's like, you just kind of lift that sin before Jesus. The two of you are looking at it together, just going, yeah, there it is. There it is again. That's and then so just good. move past it. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. That's uh, if great. you just considering uh, the men who might be at their desk, the women that might be uh, at their place of employment, maybe it's a, a guy or a gal that's, working on the home on a Saturday afternoon and somehow they've stumbled on this podcast, if there was just one piece Hmm. that you could just drop, one seed, one more into them right now, maybe it's an encouragement to them, Hmm. uh, what would you say? I would say whether you realize it or not, he is pursuing you. And... You are his kid. He loves you like a father, like a good father, maybe a father you never have or ever experienced before. And he wants this kind of access into your life. He doesn't care about how you perform. He doesn't care about uh, what you bring to the table. He cares about you. He wants you. He doesn't care about your ministry, your platform, how many followers. He doesn't care about that stuff. He cares about you. He wants you, his child. And um, man, if you can get that, if you can see Jesus that way, if you can allow him access to you in that way, 
uh, he'll do it. He'll bring the work. He'll he'll bring the the change and the transformation. Um, I don't know. I, all I can say is you can trust him, and I hope that you guys do. That's so good, God. We bow before you and and thank you for meeting us during this time. Yes. You're so good, and it's not by performance or by our hard work. So anyone can boast, but it's by the great work of your Holy Spirit, uh, by you, you Jesus. You, you're a person that now dwells in our hearts. And we just thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week.